other thing that's really interesting about Mac is each company has a different definition. That's right. And it's one of those things where it, it's kind of like the, they they need to you know dot their I's and cross their T's. But this isn't. I don't think this has really been challenged very. Fr- like I don't think it's been challenged at all. Well, this is one of my favorite things, and and we'll be talking about this in the next episode of the seven pay test. It, yeah. it literally says in the contracts that based on our current understanding of the yeah. Mac guidelines. Yep. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Breakdown, where we break down quotes, ideas, and thoughts from around the world to help you live a more intentional life. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the MEC, or some people call it the Modified Endowment Contract. We have, we have a lot of questions around the tax-free benefits, how it works, um, how we design MECs, because there's a lot of people that have different viewpoints. And this, is, this should be a very fascinating episode and technical episode. So without further ado, Dan... What what we got here? Well, what we have is the modified endowment contract. You said that that, that correct. It's a it's a Mac, and this is a lot. Uh, this goes around a lot in the life insurance space, and actually comes from the IRS at seventy seven zero two. So if you want to go read the tax code, you can read all about life insurance in in seven seven zero two. But basically, what this is saying is, when we design life insurance policies for people, if you wanted a million dollars of death benefit, there's a maximum amount of premium that you can pay for that. And there's a minimum amount of premium for that. And I love when you ask people this question, well, who determines the minimum? It's the insurance company right. you know, because they, they need to have, number one, you have to have an insurable interest right. and it has to be profitable for them in some form or fashion, yeah. hopefully. Um, and the maximum is determined by the government the government of all people. It's like, well, why does the government care? And this actually all started in the 80s uh, when New York Life was saying, hey, there's single premium life insurance. Put all of your money into, into life insurance because of the tax benefits of it. Right. And the U.S. government was like, yeah, we, we want our piece of the pie too. Because before that, you could just put a lump sum of money one time into life insurance and it's all tax free. Yeah. And taxes were high. Like it was, it was amazing. And then marketing ruins the whole thing. That's right. And, and so the, I like to envision the mech as, as like a cup yep. and the premiums are filling the cup. And when we design these policies, a lot of people say, well, you know, the, the death benefit isn't super important to me and they, they want to get as close to that mech line as possible. And, and what, how I explain it to them is we're basically pouring premium into yep. this cup and we're, we're designing it. So we're just up to the brim. Mm-hmm. But if you were to pay more money into the policy where it would overflow, that that's when it becomes a mech. And the, the key distinction here that I, I, I really highlight for people is we're, we're filling the cup as close to the top, but we're also trying to have the smallest cup as possible, meaning yeah. we're, we're trying to reduce the death benefits and increase the living benefits that's right. via cash. And it's a fine dance of, of how can we design this to be as efficient as possible yeah. so that we're as close to that, that mech line as possible because that's when the policies get really, really efficient. Now, you know, in certain cases, it can make sense to actually intentionally mech a policy, right. which was basically meaning that you, you, know, you could do like single premium life today right. and, and have a modified endowment contract. And, and basically what that means is anything above your basis becomes right. taxable, but the death benefit is still tax-free. Right. And there's, I mean, there's, there's some strategies, especially if you're getting older and want like a CD alternative, you could lump some money into a contract one year, have a very small death benefit, which means it is a Mac. It will grow just like a, just like a CD, but a little bit more competitive. You have all the other benefits of life insurance, but the death benefit gets paid to the estate income tax-free. 
So just because you have a, a modified endowment contract um, doesn't mean that the death benefit in all cases are are taxable. And so, yeah, it's it, we got to be very careful as it relates to saying one is good, one is bad. Uh, I know an, another question that comes up is they say, okay, the rules got changed in 1988. Can they be changed again? The answer is they can. And everyone previous to 1988 got grandfathered in because of contract law. So even yeah. the people that took all their money and put it in and got all those benefits, they're grandfathered in. So, so well, that's another distinction to talk about. Yeah, and, and actually the those rules just changed recently. At the end of 2020, the, there was a, a little bill that came through for life insurance. And this is what the, the industry is talking about right now is that that rule actually changed a bit which is reducing, you know, people talk about this 4% growth or 4% guarantee. And when you, it, when you look at the guaranteed side of a life insurance contract, the, there's a difference between this idea of 4% and how yeah. it actually grows. But the, the main thing to think here is the, there used to be this 4% rule and now starting in 2021, actually of, as of January 1st, that has reduced the ability to reduce to 2% for 2021. And then it's gonna go to a floating number in the future. And a lot of people are heralding this as a great win for life insurance and it's saving the life insurance industry and all these things. And I just think it's going to be another thing that companies are going to be competing on yeah. because I, I already know some of the big carriers are, are basically going to stick to their guns and, and keep that guarantee number as high as yeah. possible. Uh, but what what's important about this is it basically means that there's you can put more premium in for the yeah. same death benefit. Yeah. And this, again, is, is basically alleviating some of the, the MEC rules from, from 1988. And it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And this is something that I'm curious to see how this unfolds. And it's kind of like stay tuned uh, because yeah. these companies are going to be looking at these these new guidelines and determining how do we how do we want to fit this into our product set? How do we want to change things around? How do we want to be competitive? And you know, in the insurance industry, we talk about dividend rates, we talk about yeah. mortality costs, we talk about growth rate, you know, actual rates of return in the policy. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how these companies react right. to this and. Um, you know, you could go down to that two percent floor and put a lot more yeah. more money. Like we we you could look at that, read a headline, and say that's a terrible thing. Well, what it could do is give the companies more freedom to create products that that are more competitive. The other thing that's really interesting about Mac is each company has a different definition. That's right, and it's one of those things where it it's kind of like that they they need to you know, dot their I's and cross their T's, but this isn't, I don't think this has really been challenged very, like, I don't think it's been challenged at all. Well, this is one of my favorite things, and, and we'll be talking about this in the next episode of the seven pay test. It, yeah. it literally says in the contracts that based on our current understanding of the yeah. MEC guidelines, yep. our current understanding, and that that to me is fascinating because that, that truly means that each company, it's up to their own yep. interpretation of what a MEC is. And this, again, the, it gets into the, the minutia of this industry. And, and a lot of people just look at this as face value of right. what, what they see or what they're learning on the internet. And there's, there's so much that goes into it. Yep. And th this is one of those things where one company's interpretation of MEC can be vastly different than another yep. company's interpretation of MEC. And so it's so hard to, there, there really is no apples to apples anymore. Right. So, so just to review, okay, people want an and asset, which means we're taking life insurance, but we're superpowering it to overfund, to maximize the cash, and as a result, um, keep the tax benefits of life insurance. Right. And so for it to be life insurance, we need to, um, it, it cannot be a MEC because a MEC stands for modified endowment contract. And if that's the case, we lose the tax benefits, right. which may or may not be bad. I, I want to really make that, that a point because there may be some benefits to a MEC might be more efficient for your situation. 
But if that's the case, we can't just put unlimited amount of money for a certain amount of death benefit. Right. So it's this, when we talk about efficiency, it's taking your premium, taking your contribution, and asking a question about flexibility, asking a question about long-term goals, asking a question about short-term goals, and saying, how can we take this premium? How can we design a contract that maximizes the living benefits, which means benefits that you can realize while you're alive, and, and still design the life insurance where it's maximizing the living benefits and still uh, a great, it's still life insurance and you still get the benefit of life insurance and that's not a negative thing. I think quite a few people come to us and they like want nothing to do with the death benefit right. and we understand that, but also the death benefit is so key in future planning when it comes to estates, when it comes to unlocking things like income. I've had many episodes talking about that. So anything else that you want to say, because we're going to send this to people who have questions about Mac yep. and it's well, going to be very helpful. The, the thing that you highlighted that I want to touch on is that idea of a lot of people when, especially on the bigger premiums, 25,000, 50,000 and, and above there, you, we see death benefits in the one, two, three, four million, five million dollars, depending on age, health rating, yeah. company, all that kind of stuff. And people are, they, they're like, wait a minute, Caleb told me that we're reducing the death benefit. <laughs> and, and because people see the death benefit as a cost and the thing to keep in mind here again is we're designing these to be as efficient as possible right up to that mech line, yep. but also reducing the death benefit as much as possible. Because we, the thing people tend to forget is there is a maximum, but there's also a minimum. That's right. And so the insurance company still, there's still an insurable That's um, right. aspect here. And so even though it's it's optimized, it may still take $5 million of death benefit to, right. to go with the premium that we're looking at. That doesn't mean that we have excess amount of death benefit. And it all depends on the company's interpretation, your age, your health rating, how much money you're putting in. Someone asked us the other day about a ratio. We're like, it's super difficult because a 25-year-old versus a 55-year-old could put the same premium. They could have the same rating and it could be vastly different. But then there's multiple different ratings that you can get. And it's very much like a credit score as it relates to your mortgage. So Right. And, and the, the last thing I'll say is when we design whole life policies, we reduce that death benefit as much as possible to to make the policy as efficient, yeah. but we also are still huge believers in death benefit. And, and this is where the argument of buy term invest the difference or, you know, term is way cheaper. Why would I ever do whole life insurance? It's like, there's a world where it makes a lot of sense to do an and asset style whole life policy and then get the remaining of your approved death benefit in term insurance because it is cheap. And that's, that's right. a, that's a big thing there is to keep your whole life policy as efficient as possible. We're going to reduce that death benefit as much as possible. And let, let me let me just uh, use an example. Let's say you got approved for $5 million of death benefit, yep. but your whole life policy is only going to take $2 million. It may make a lot of sense to get the remaining $3 million in a term term insurance policy instead of inflating, like artificially inflating your your and asset policy, your whole life policy to do the full 5 million or, or 3 million or what, what have you. And this, again, this all comes down to working with people that know what's going on, you know, going through a process of figuring out what makes the most sense based on what you're trying to accomplish. It could be a combination of a multiple, multiple things. It could be one thing, yeah. you know, and, and all of this comes back full circle to the mech. It, it could make sense to have a mech. It could not make sense to have a mech. It all, it comes back to what are we trying to accomplish in the first place and what results are we after? Thank you. Thank you for tying that back because again, we can get as technical as you want, but it, a lot of times it's like, let's take it back. Let's figure out what we actually want. And should you even have an and asset? Because there's some people that are listening or watching to this that should not be focused on overfunding whole life. They should be focused on paying off debt, insuring with term insurance, and making sure that they can show up powerfully in, in areas so that they can save money and potentially do the and asset strategy at a later date. Anything else you want to say? 
Be intentional. <laughs> Be intentional. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.